Hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah 7, 1 through 14. This took place during the reign of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah. Aram's king Rezin and Israel's king Pekah, son of Remaliah, went to fight against Jerusalem, but they were not able to conquer it. When it became known to the house of David that Aram had occupied Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of his people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. The Lord said to Isaiah, Go out with your son, Sher-Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool by the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, Calm down and be quiet. Don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks. The fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. For Aram, along with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah, has plotted harm against you. They say, let's go up against Judah, terrorize it, and conquer it for ourselves. Then we can install Tabeel's son as king in it. This is what the Lord God says. It will not happen. It will not occur. The chief city of Aram is Damascus. The chief of Damascus is Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The chief city of Ephraim is Samaria, and the chief of Samaria is a son of Remaliah. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Isaiah said, Listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have a guest pastor here today. Ant has served as the lead pastor at Midtown Fellowship in Toonach since the church was started in 2013. He lives in Columbia, South Carolina with his wife, Hannah, and their four children. Ant has been teaching and leading in ministry since 2008 and is passionate about proclaiming the word of God in a way that deeply encourages the people of God and helps everyone grow in their knowledge and love for Jesus. Let's welcome him. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you for that welcome. Uh, it's a blessing to, uh, to be here. As she said, my name's actually Anthony. I go by Ant. Uh, Will Broadus is a great, great friend of mine. We met a few years ago. I think Reconcile Community Church was about a year old at the time, maybe something like that, uh, when I met them. He's been a great friend, a great encouragement to me, a great blessing to me. And he's one of my favorite pastors to, to listen to. Your pastor is so smart. Like, I... I I almost feel like you, you guys just need to bring the expectations down a little bit just on the like, from a, from a knowledge standpoint. I, uh, I, I, I love what, listen, let me say this before I get into uh, the passage. Matter of fact, if you got a Bible, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 1. We'll be there for a little bit, and then we'll go to Isaiah 7, like the passage, was, the passage that was just read. Uh, but let me, let, me, let me say this first. Um, I love your pastor. I, I trust that you all love your pastor as well. Uh, I, I also hope that you all take care of him and his family. Like, I just, I just want to encourage you, if you desire to see Reconciled Community Church be everything that God wants it to be, 
one practical thing that probably everyone in this room can do is make sure your pastor stays encouraged. Make sure he stays lifted up in prayer. If, 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 his, if the ministry that the Lord has given him and the way that God has used him has been a blessing to you, make sure he knows that. Okay, I want to encourage, that will actually continue to fuel him. And thus, there, there, there's just nothing like, and you've probably experienced this before, when you're in ministry or when you're serving in any way, uh, a bit of encouragement that's just wind in your sails just enables you to continue to serve very faithfully through the highs and the lows. That's my encouragement to you. That's not the part of the sermon. Matthew chapter 1. Uh, Thanksgiving is over. We're in December. I trust that, that Sister Mariah has made it to some of y'all's house already. They don't know who I'm talking about. I trust that she's already in your house. I'm excited to, um, to get into God's Word and look at what Christians have celebrated around this time of year for years and years and years. So, and, I, and, I, and I hope the reality of God becoming man, putting on flesh, that He might save us from our sins, save us from this world of sins, that we might know him. My hope is that you haven't gotten so familiar with it that it no longer strikes awe in you. You understand what I'm saying? I'm hoping it's not so familiar with you that it's just become a thing that we say and we sing about and we celebrate at this time of year, but no longer impacts your heart. So my prayer for us today as I was praying is that God would allow us to hear, for many of us, truths that we've heard time and time again but he would continue to use it in our lives and our hearts to conform us into the image of God, to grow us in our hope in him and our trust in him and our joy in him. No further ado, Matthew chapter 1, we'll get it started at verse 18. It says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. So just make sure you're on the same page. Uh, Mary has to have an awkward conversation with Joseph. They're about to get married, and Mary's like, actually, I'm pregnant. And Joseph's like, actually, I'm going to divorce you. And, and then, obviously, God intervenes. Verse 20, but after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So some very foundational Christian truth here. Jesus was, was, was born. His mom was a virgin. This is a miraculous birth. If you're familiar and you followed along the narrative of the Bible in the Old Testament, there's quite a few miraculous births that take place in this same lineage that Jesus comes in. This is a sign that this is a, a boy that is born from God for God's purposes to do God's will. He comes to save his people from their sins. Verse 22, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. Such a powerful spiritual blessing that we focus on meditating on during this season. And a personal favorite uh, theological aspect of who God is for me to preach on. So as, and I would say this, as a Christian, your ability to know God as Emmanuel, God with us, the, the, the more you know that, the more that truth can change your life. 
I would say God's presence with us is a deep, deep well of joy and peace and hope for us in every situation we find ourselves in. I'm talking about the highs and the lows and everything in between. Knowing him to be Emmanuel, God with us, will change how you handle and endure hardship. When suffering comes your way, knowing him to be Emmanuel will strengthen your ability to bear whatever suffering comes your way if you know that God is with you. Knowing him to be Emmanuel will change how you handle stress as you can find peace of, man, peace of mind excuse me, in the fact that God himself is with you even if it feels like no one else is. Knowing him to be Emmanuel enables us to do the difficult things that we're oftentimes afraid to do that God calls us to because we know we're not doing it alone, we're not doing it in our own strength, but we know that God himself, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is with us. Knowing him to be Emmanuel enables you to be patient and practice long-suffering because you know no matter what it is you're dealing with, you're not dealing with it alone. God himself is with you, and he wants you to remember that today and every day of your walk with him. Knowing him to be Emmanuel changes everything about our experiences in this life, and I want us to truly and deeply know him to be Emmanuel. Now, Matthew lets us know in this passage when he talks about Jesus being born and his name being Emmanuel, he lets us know that, that this is a fulfillment of a prophecy that was spoken by Isaiah. Now we'll go to Isaiah chapter 7, and we'll be here for the majority of the rest of our time together this morning. Isaiah chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, I'll read a few and explain it a little bit. This took place during the reign of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Aram's king, Rezin, and Israel's king, Pekah, son of Ramaliah, went to fight against Jerusalem, but they were not able to conquer it. When it became known to the house of David that Aram had, had occupied Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of his people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people. So let me try to give a little bit of context because that's a lot of words that I don't even think I pronounced them right. So let me try to explain a little bit about what's going on at that time. At this time in, in world history, there is an empire called Assyria, the Assyrian Empire. They are far greater and far more powerful than any other kingdom at that time. Not only that, they are violent, they are ruthless, and they were seeking to conquer as many nations and kingdoms as they possibly could because their goal was to expand their empire as far as possible across the known world. They were extremely violent and hated, and they were very victorious in their conquest for world domination. Everyone is afraid of Assyria because they've seen what people do or they've seen what Assyria does to those who stand against them. So that's one threat that, that, uh, that God's people, that Ahaz, King Ahaz is leading, which would be the kingdom of Judah. That's one threat that they have. But also what we see in the passage is that there's another threat. There's one kingdom that here is called Aram, but in, in other translations it's called the kingdom of, of Syria, not to be confused with Assyria, but the kingdom of Syria. Uh, what's happening here is they're joining forces uh, with the kingdom of Israel. So the kingdom of Israel is different from the kingdom of Judah. Uh, years prior, God's people uh, was known as, as, as Israel. 
they split into two. They, had a, they, they, they broke up. They weren't in agreement. So the northern kingdom was the kingdom of Israel. The southern kingdom is the kingdom of Judah. Ahaz is leading the southern kingdom of Judah, who was still in some ways trying to follow God. The kingdom of Israel, that northern kingdom, they're not following God at all. And so what they did was they are partnering with Syria to hope to form this alliance against Assyria, this empire that is coming to take everybody over. And what they're doing is they're now warring against King Ahaz and the kingdom of Judah to try to get them to join their alliance to try to have some type of military strength against the the empire of Assyria that's trying to take over everything. So if you couldn't follow all the names, here's the main thing. King Ahaz, king of God's people, he's being threatened by a huge empire, and there's these two smaller kingdoms that are trying to kind of force him to join them. Basically, he has enemies all around. Assyria is his enemy. The kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Syria is an enemy, but they're trying to get them to join forces, to get, the king, get King Ahaz to join forces with them. So Ahaz and the people of God are in a very difficult and stressful situation. Verse 2 lets us know that the hearts of Ahaz and the hearts of his people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. They don't know what to do. They are terrified. They're not strong enough in their own might to handle Israel and Syria, much less the empire of Assyria. And they're terrified. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to make sure they're going to be okay. It seems like all the options in front of them are bad. Verse 3, let's see what, how this plays out. The Lord said to Isaiah, go out with your son. I can't pronounce that. To meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool by the road of the launderer's field. Say to him, calm down and be quiet. Don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks. So that's the king of of Israel and Syria. The fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. For Aram, son of Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has plotted harm against you. They say, let's go up against Judah, terrorize it and conquer it for ourselves. Then we can install Tabil's son as king of it. So God is speaking through the prophet and goes to King Ahaz, the king of God's people, and is saying, hey, listen, don't be afraid. I'm going to make sure you're okay. Don't be terrified. Don't join up with Israel and Syria. I'm going to take care of you. And even lets them know, it's like, hey, they are plotting against you. They actually don't want good for you. They're, all, they're actually your enemies. Verse 7, this is what the Lord God says. It will not happen. It will not occur. He's saying them them plotting victory over you, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. They will not defeat you, is what God tells them. Verse 8, the chief city of Aram is Damascus. The chief of Damascus is Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. He's saying the the kingdom of Israel, in 65 years, they're not even going to be a people anymore. Do not worry about them. They will not defeat you. Verse 9, the chief city of Ephraim is Samaria, and the chief of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. So God is like, first of all, don't worry about them. They're not going to conquer you. Then he says something that informs Ahaz on how he can stand firm in this time of uncertainty and and this fear and this trouble that he and the people of God are facing. He tells him, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. 
He's telling Ahaz, the only chance that you'll be able to stand firm is if you stand firm in faith. The only way that you'll be able to to not let your heart be faint is if you stand firm in faith. The only way that your heart and the heart of your people won't shake and tremble like the trees of the forest and and, and shake in the wind is if you stand firm in faith. The only way that you'll stand firm is if you trust me, is what God is saying to Ahaz. He says, Ahaz, given your current situation, your current uncertainty, your current circumstances that look incredibly bleak, the only way you're going to be able to stand and have hope in this situation is if you trust God to be with you and keep you through difficult and troublesome times. Fam, I want to give you two main points about what it means to to truly and deeply know God to be Emmanuel. And the first point I want to give you is we must live by faith. We must live by faith by faith. Here's what I mean by that. One sign of immaturity for the Christian is when we handle difficult and stressful situations the way that someone would handle them that does not know God. A sign of immaturity for the Christian is that we don't live by faith because we actually, when the, when, when the rubber meets the road in the difficult situations and circumstances in our lives, if we tend to handle those situations in the same way that someone, as someone handles them that does not believe God, does not know God, then we are not standing firm because we are not standing on faith. Our faith affects and influences, just as, just as is the case for Ahaz, how we handle difficult situations. Let's keep reading. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. So Sheol is is something that can be translated as the grave or the land of the dead or the underworld. So this, this would be the land of those who are no longer alive. God is calling Ahaz to ask for a big sign. Make it as high as heaven or as low as Sheol. Make it, make it beyond anything that any person can actually accomplish on their own. Make it a God-sized sign that I want you to ask me for. This is what God is saying to King Ahaz. God is showing Ahaz that he wants to give Ahaz a sign of hope that shows Ahaz that he has his back, and he's going to take care of him, and he's going to take care of his people as well. Ahaz is in this very difficult spot, a very stressful spot, you know, a lot of us, we can feel stressed out if the bank account isn't looking the way we want it to look, especially in this inflation. Amen? That's not the kind of problem. That's not the level of problem that Ahaz is dealing with here. Ahaz has to make a decision that will affect the state and the ongoing viability of the kingdom that God has entrusted him to lead. And what he decides will have a huge impact on all of God's people at this time. And God is meeting him where he is. I get, I ask for a sign that's huge so that I can show you that I am with you. Ask for a sign that only I can bring. I can't imagine the stress that Ahaz is under at this time. He can join Israel and Syria, who are his enemies disguised as allies. Or, as we find out, he can try to form an alliance with, with the empire of Assyria, who's also his enemy. I believe that the reason, no, actually, let me say this before I get, I'm getting ahead of myself. Jump down to verse 12. Let me say this. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. God says to Ahaz, ask me for a sign. Make it a God-sized sign that no human being can accomplish for you. Ahaz says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to ask you for a sign. 
Now, we know from 2 Kings chapter 16 that Ahaz eventually reaches out to Assyria, the huge empire, to form an alliance with them to, to try to save himself and Judah. So when his enemies are closing in on him, he put his trust in his enemy instead of in his God. He made a peace treaty with his enemies, and I believe he didn't ask God for a sign because he knew that that's what he was going to do the whole time. Ahaz made his decision in what I call a godless manner. Here's what I mean by that. When you make a decision as if God is not real and as if God is not with you, making a decision that that's completely godless, it doesn't factor in the reality of the, of the existence and the presence of God in our lives. That's what Ahaz did. He behaved as if God was not with him. He made a decision that would have made perfect sense if God didn't exist and if God wasn't with him. If God didn't exist and wasn't promising to take care of him, trying to form an alliance with these more powerful kingdoms would have made sense. It probably would have been the rational and reasonable thing for him to do to try to take care of his kingdom, but God told him not to do it. So he didn't live by faith. And he made his decision as if God didn't exist and if God was not with him. Some of us as Christians are in a situation in our lives where life hasn't planned out or panned out the way that we planned or desired it to. And maybe you're very discouraged or disappointed with where things currently stand, and it would make a lot of sense for you to just try to cope with all this discouragement and all this disappointment in some very sinful ways. That would make very rational sense if God didn't exist and if God was not with you. Some of us are tired of living with various unmet desires that we have, and honestly, it will make perfect sense for us to just indulge in things that don't honor God to try to get those desires met. That would be a very rational thing to do if God didn't exist and if God was not with you. Some of us, because of the situations in our lives and the difficult times that we currently find ourselves in, it would make a lot of sense for us to be given to and crippled by worry and fear and anxiety about our present or about our future. That would make perfect sense if God did not exist and promise you that he was with you. I'm concerned, Christians, that we're handling the difficulties and the trials of our lives as if God does not exist. I'm concerned that we're not experiencing the joy of being able to be firm because our hope is in God and not in our circumstances. I'm concerned that some of us are better at at maybe sharing true facts and theological facts about God than we are at clinging to the truth of God in life's most difficult times. I'm concerned that like Ahaz, we respond to difficult and stressful situations in a godless manner. I'm concerned that we make decisions as if God does not exist and is not with us. And I would like to warn us with the same warning that God sent to King Ahaz through the prophet when he says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. That the way that we are able to stand in the highs and lows of this life is through our faith in God who promised to be with us. And that's what it looks like to know him as Emmanuel to deeply know him to be God with us. Ahaz was not firm in his faith. We know this because he he didn't make a decision based on his faith. He made a decision the same way that someone would make a decision who did not know God, who did not believe in God, who did not know that God was with him. Now I want to jump down to verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. I want to make sure we have clarity on who exactly the audience is for this promise, because it can seem like he's just talking to King Ahaz when he makes Ahaz this promise about this sign. But when he says the Lord himself will give you a sign, that term you in the Hebrew is actually a plural you. That this isn't just a sign to King Ahaz, this is a sign to all of God's people. He's saying, I'm going to give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. And obviously now we're blessed to know that he's talking about Jesus. That is God with us. God is telling him, I'm going to give you a sign. There's going to be a son that's going to be born, and his mother is going to be a virgin, and that boy will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And he's saying, my people will be able to look to this sign and remember that God is with us no matter what happens. Family, my first point was that we are to live by faith. My second point for us today is that we need to look to the sign. We need to look to the sign. Just on my way here this morning, I've never taken this trip specifically from my house here to Reconcile Community Church. That was this place I was following my GPS. was this place I had to make a left, and it was a quick right, and I wasn't sure exactly where to go, but I looked to the sign, and it was extremely beneficial. Now, if I would not have looked to it, the sign would have been useless to me. To simply know that a sign is there is not of any benefit for us unless we look to the sign, unless we put our eyes on the sign and learn what it is showing us. To be honest, y'all, I think it's incredible that God invited Ahaz to ask for a sign in the first place and then give him a sign even after he didn't ask for it. I say that's incredible because God could have been well within his rights, and I think it would have been fine for him to do, to just say to King Ahaz, don't you know that I'm the God that delivered your your people from slavery in Egypt through Moses? Don't you know that I'm the God that delivered them into the promised land and defeated all the enemies that warred against you through my servant Joshua? Don't you know of all the victory I gave time and time again against kingdom after kingdom? through the judges and through other kings that have come before you. Don't you know what I've done for your people in the past? God could have said that. That's not what God does. God says, I'm going to meet you, King Ahaz, right here in your doubt. I'm going to meet you right here in your fear. And I'm not just giving you some type of reminder of what I've done for other people in the past. I'm not just going to give you a reminder that points you to what I've done before. I'm going to, I want to give you a sign that only I can give you that you can apply for you right now for your own salvation is what he's saying. How gracious, how compassionate, how merciful that he says, I, I can tell that you're struggling. I can tell this is difficult. Ask me for a sign and I'll give it to you. Ask me for a big sign and I will show you who I am and I will show you that I am here with you. It would have been perfectly reasonable for him to just tell Ahaz to look back at how God has brought salvation to people before, but he's like, no, I want you to see I'm here to save you right now as well. He wanted Ahaz to have a sign, something that Ahaz could look to, once again, that wasn't just about those before him. What's also amazing is that even after Ahaz refused to ask for a sign for himself, God said, well, I'm going to give a sign for all of my people. 
I'm going to give a sign to my people so that they know when life is hard and confusing and stressful, they are never alone because I am with them. He said, I'm going to send my son. He's going to be a sign that my love, my protection, my provision, and my presence will always be with them. And unlike Ahaz, this sign that I'm going to give, the son of God, Jesus Christ himself, unlike Ahaz, when he is tested and his enemy is near him in the wilderness and tempting him to trust in his enemy instead of trusting in the father, he's going to trust the plan of the father and stand firm against temptation in the wilderness. Also, unlike Ahaz, when his enemies are surrounding him in the Garden of Gethsemane and his level of anguish and distress are so high that his sweat is turning to blood on his head, he is still going to have faith in God and trust in the Father and trust in the Father's plan. He's not going to make a godless decision. He's going to stand because he stands firm in his trust in the Father and the Father's plan. That boy that's going to be born of a virgin, he's going to remain firm and be the example for the people of God that Ahaz was not. Unlike Ahaz, he's going to be that example of trusting God in life's difficult moments, even to his death. And the people of God are going to be saved because of it. And because he did that, he is the God-sized sign that came from his highest heaven, but in his death went down as low as Sheol to save the people of God. He is the sign that Ahaz should have asked for, and he is the sign that you should look to. In the difficult times and in the stressful times that God is with you. He's the one we can look to for ourselves. It's great for us to be able to look back at the true stories about Moses and Joshua and David and the judges and all these kings that God used to save his people. Those are wonderful to look back on and remember how God saved so many people in the past. But Jesus is the sign that God saves us as well. We're not just looking back and remembering a past salvation for people who came before us. We have a sign that speaks to us here and now. That salvation is not just for those before us, but it is for us. He is our son, that God is with us. Jesus proves that he is Emmanuel. And family, if he will do all that for us and not abandon us on the cross in his worst moment, then you can be sure he's not abandoning you in your worst moment either. He wasn't just Emmanuel in coming into this life of ease and his life of comfort. No, if you're familiar with the story, he was hated by the leaders of his day from the beginning. His family had to run and flee for their lives because he was hated. Jesus experienced persecution. He experienced oppression. He even died under an oppressive regime. He's not just Emmanuel in the good times, in the easy times, in the comfortable times. No. He's Emmanuel in the, in the difficult times, in the times of uncertainty, in the times of suffering, in the times of grief. Some of us, if we're honest, the season that we're in right now is a season of grief for us. For we're not able to be with loved ones that we desire to be with for one reason or another. I hope you know that he's Emmanuel with you right now. That there might be many that you're not able to be with, but he says he will always be with you. In the difficult times, in the times of fear, in the times of grief, in the times of sadness, in the times of pain, in the times of loneliness. I would go as far as to say those are the times when knowing him as Emmanuel is the sweetest. That those are the times when I have felt him ministering to me the most as Emmanuel. 
to share a little bit about my life recently. I've been in a time, I'd say the last year, maybe close to a year and a half, has been one of the most difficult times of my life. Praise God, our church just at, at Midtown Tunas, we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary as a church. And uh, I've been telling people the 10th year for me was the hardest. It was the hardest one. And I can tell you from experience, from knowing God to be Emmanuel, there's been times in my life where the pain felt unbearable, where the difficulty, the stress felt absolutely unbearable. And the only thing the only place that I've been able to go to find such solace and peace and hope for the things that, that, not that it took all the pain away, but for the things that once felt unbearable became bearable in my life. It's when I went to Emmanuel and cast my cares on him because I know he cares for me. When I have known him to be my refuge and my strength, and I've just gone to him and poured out my heart to him. When I've gone to Emmanuel, when I've looked to the sign that God is with me in the most difficult times, all the times when I felt him ministering to me in a way that helped me to bear whatever difficulties and struggles that I have been dealing with this past year and however many months. It was in those times that I experienced the truth of what God was saying to King Ahaz, that we can stand firm if we stand firm in faith. If we stand firm in our faith in God, that he is real and that he is with us. Some of us, some of us are going through a season of great suffering where it feels like it's always something where you're experiencing a lot of difficulty and maybe it seems like you're, you're getting past that and you're finding some healing from that and then it just feels like something else comes and it just seems like wave after wave after wave of difficulty and trouble and suffering and pain. My brother, my sister, if that's you, I just want to remind you to place your eyes on Bethlehem this morning because there's a sign in Bethlehem. There's a sign who was a baby boy that's born of a virgin and he is a sign to you that God really is with you that he really is present with you, that he has not forsaken you. No matter what your feelings tell you, no matter what thoughts the enemy might be whispering into your mind, he is with you. He hears, he sees, he knows. Maybe you find yourself just in a, a very tough situation. Maybe marriage is tough for you at this point, and you, you aren't feeling like you're able to make it. Maybe you're considering trying this and that, and the more you think about it, the more it seems like you just can't do it. You just can't endure it. You just can't stand firm, and God is saying that if you don't stand firm in faith, you won't stand firm at all. And the way you stand firm is for you to know that his name is Emmanuel and that he is God with you. And that, no, you're right, you don't have the strength to endure on your own. So praise God because his name is Emmanuel. That means the strength that you rely on is not your own. But it is his strength in you. Or maybe there's some area of, of sin in your life that you've been dealing with, that you've been yielding to time and time again. And maybe, maybe it could be a number of things. Maybe it's, it's love of money. Maybe it's a difficulty being quick to listen and slow to speak. Maybe it's a tendency for gossip or a lack of compassion or whatever it might be. Maybe you've given up on God delivering you and growing you in a certain area of your life. Maybe you've decided you just want to make a peace treaty with the enemy because standing firm and continuing to fight to follow Christ just doesn't seem like a viable option for you anymore. 
I want you to know that God has a sign for you. There was a miraculous birth. The virgin conceived. Stop me if you've heard it before. And gave birth to a son, and his name is Jesus, but he is also known as Emmanuel. Jesus came to earth and conquered sin because he is more powerful than your sin, and he is with you through his Holy Spirit. That you don't have to give up. You can continue to fight day in and day out, as difficult as it might be. He is a sign to you that you should never believe that you're fighting your sin on your own. He is a sign to you that you should never feel like you don't have strength to continue to wage war against your sin in the way that God calls you to. Because this time of year, we celebrate with Christians around the world that Emmanuel has come, that God is with us. Family, no matter your particular set of circumstances, look to the sign. Look to the sign. No matter what decision you're facing, look to the sign. If you're feeling defeated, look to the sign and remember that God is with you. If you're feeling like life is just too much right now for you, look to the sign and remember that he is with you. If you don't feel like you can continue to follow God because sometimes it's just so hard to follow him day in and day out, look to the sign. Family, this is real talk that I'm telling you today. You can know God is with you because he calls a virgin to conceive and give birth to a son. And his name is Emmanuel because he is God with us. Family, will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you. We thank you deeply for your presence with us. God, I just want to lift up anyone in the room right now that is just struggling. Maybe getting here today was a struggle. Maybe this last week, this last month, this last year has been a struggle. Father, I pray that you will bring comfort in this place to anyone who is struggling in ways that they've never known before. I pray that you will bring peace and hope in ways that we've never known before. I pray that you will grant us peace that passes even our own understanding as we place our mind on you and as we stand in faith, knowing that you are with us. Father, I pray for the discouraged today. I pray for the one who maybe feels like we're just going through the motions in this life because we're struggling to find peace. We're struggling to find joy. Father, I pray for joy during this time and during this season. Father, I pray for a rock-solid hope and a trust in you and your goodness and your nearness, God. Make it real. Make it, make it not, not just make it real, but help us to experience the realness of it in our day-to-day lives, God. Father, that this wouldn't just be something we talk about and sing about, but that this would be a truth that we cling to day in and day out, moment by moment in our lives. Comfort us like only you can. Holy Spirit, minister to us like only you can. God, heal us with your presence like only you can. Comfort us in times of loneliness, in times of despair, in times of of, of fear and anxiety and stress. Make the true things that we say about you time and time again so personal and experiential for us that we continue to grow in our faith of knowing that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And we ask all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you.